You're listening to a sermon from Grace Church, located in Frisco, Texas. Get to know Grace Church better by visiting our website at www.gracechurchfrisco.org. Today's speaker is Pastor Craig Cabanis. We're starting a new series today, um, and it's a series on Advent. Our church has never done a true Advent series. We've done Christmas series that started the Sunday after Thanksgiving, but this time we're doing a legitimate uh, Advent series in the, in the traditional sense of how the liturgical church would practice Advent, though uh, mainly just in the messages. The whole, the, whole, uh, the whole series won't be that way, but the messages, I mean the whole service won't be that way, but the messages will be a true Advent series. And so I'll explain what that means in just a second, but we're calling this series Advent the joy of every longing heart. The joy of every longing heart. Well, the year 2020 has been upended in countless ways, and and I feel like each day I'm finding out a new way that 2020 messed with our year. Uh, And here's the latest one I found out, and it happens to be the holiday greeting card industry. I don't know if you thought about that. I I didn't think anything about uh, holiday greeting cards. I give them not a ton of thought. But uh, I read an article just this week about greeting cards, and this was the title. Your season's greetings cards this year won't be all holiday cheer. And it shows a card that has a Santa Claus with a mask, uh, and a reindeer with a mask, and then it's a Frosty the Snowman built out of rolls of toilet paper. And uh, the article says, um, Megan Samarin is on a mission to find a holiday card that conveys the right sentiment this year. After months spent separated from relatives and friends during the coronavirus pandemic, the mother of two from Orange County, California, wants to send a specific message this season, one that will resonate in a year marked by turmoil and tragedy. She wants us in a card that will resonate because the year has been filled with turmoil, uh, racial turmoil, uh, election, political uh, turmoil, uh, and then obviously pandemic tragedy and turmoil there too. I'm looking for holiday cards, she says, that dig deep, that really deep sometimes to find the humor in what might go down as the weirdest year of our lives she said. So she's looking for something that would make a little bit of light, but would also go deep. The pandemic has been the defining feature of 2020, and I'm not going to stick my head in the sand and pretend it did not happen, she says. The article's author says, it can be a tricky balancing act to spread holiday cheer while at the same time acknowledging that 2020 has been a difficult year for many people. Now that's the tension I'm gonna talk about this morning. But the balancing act to spread cheer while at the same time acknowledging that 2020 has been a difficult year. Americans send roughly 1.3 billion holiday cards each year according to Hallmark, the country's largest maker of greeting cards. And at the end of a tough year, messages of hope, resilience, and renewal may strike an especially deep chord. Messages of hope, messages of resilience, and messages of renewal. So our culture, uh, I think probably greeting cards express 
a culture in some ways. What's humorous to a culture? Uh, how does a culture express emotion and feeling? Greeting cards are a barometer of that. And our greeting card industry is saying this holiday season, this Christmas, that, uh, that people are looking for messages of hope in the midst of difficulty. And that is why Advent is such an appropriate celebration for us at this time. Well, what is Advent? Advent comes from a Latin word that means coming or arriving. So the Advent, as we're talking about it, is the coming of Jesus or the arriving of Jesus Christ. And in the traditional church, um, the Advent season begins today. There are four Sundays that lead up to Christmas. So Advent and Christmas are two different things, very different. The vibe is different, the message is different, the theme is very different. Um, Christmas is the day that we celebrate the uh, birth of our Savior, Jesus Christ. Advent is the season where we prepare our hearts to celebrate his coming. Christmas, for instance, is a celebration of light because Jesus is the light of the world. But Advent is dark. Because Advent focuses on our broken world and our broken lives and our need and our longing for a Savior, Jesus Christ. Advent shows us our sin and our need for a Savior. Christmas celebrates the arrival of the Savior who has come to set us free. So this year, for four Sundays, we're going to take some time to emphasize our need and our longing for a Savior, while also recognizing, celebrating that he has come, and as we long for his return as well. There's two reasons I think an Advent season fit very well in this year. One, I just uh, highlighted from the greeting card article. Uh, one is, it, if there's ever been a year to recognize that the world is not what it ought to be, it's 2020. Uh, it, we have a captive audience to talk about a broken world uh, this year because we've all seen it and tasted it in various ways. But the second reason is this, because we'll never really appreciate the coming of God in flesh in the person Jesus Christ to bring us rescue if we don't really take some time and think about how great of a need we have, about how much we need rescue, how much our world, our broken creation longs for a new creation. If we don't take some time, now this is where we're not doing a traditional, a traditional Advent series, you don't sing any Christmas songs till Christmas, we're doing that, you don't have a tree up until Christmas, so you don't, we're not going going hardcore, but it, there is a value in not, in, in not taking the Sunday after Thanksgiving and immediately doing lights, joy, uh, the flashing lights in Frisco Square, and sitting in the dark a little bit so that we anticipate the joy of the light that is to come. In her book called Advent, Fleming Rutledge writes this, Advent teaches us to delay Christmas in order to experience it truly when it finally comes. Advent is designed to show that the meaning of Christmas is, dis is diminished to the vanishing point if we're not willing to take a fearless inventory of the darkness. She writes that Advent begins 
in the dark. And from that posture with longing and hope, we say Jesus is the joy of every longing heart. So today we're going to look at Isaiah 63 and 64. I'm going to read this in three short sections. And I'm, I need to credit, I'm taking the exact three-point phrase outline uh, from uh, Ray Ortland in his commentary on Isaiah. I'm not taking his thoughts or his message, but I am taking his outline, so give credit where it is due. Uh, let's start with uh, chapter 63, Isaiah, verses 15 through 19. This is God's word. Look down from heaven and see from your holy and beautiful habitation Where are your zeal and your might? The stirring of your inner parts and your compassion are held back from me. For you are our father, though Abraham does not know us and Israel does not acknowledge us. You, O Lord, are our father. Our redeemer from of old is your name. O Lord, why do you make us wander from your ways and harden our hearts so that we fear you not? Return for the sake of your servants, the tribes of your heritage. Your holy people held possession for a little while. Our adversaries have trampled down your sanctuary. We have become like those over whom you have never ruled, like those who are not called by your name. This first section talks about the longing for God's love. I want to talk about three longings today. The longing for God's love. Isaiah is praying a prayer here, and he's asking God, show me your love. Show us your love. We are having a hard time, God. This is a prayer about we are having a hard time. So where is your love? It's it's hard For us to see. Now, how is he talking about love? Look at verse 15 in the second part of the verse. It says, The stirring of your inner parts and your compassion are held back from me. Now, God doesn't have inner parts, God is spirit. But this is a way of talking about God's love, God's heart. Now, we would say heart. When we say you love someone, we say your heart. The Hebrews said your guts. So love was guts. For us, uh, your innards, what he calls your innard parts. For us, it's the heart. So I'm thankful for our culture because I really don't want a Valentine's card with a large intestine on it. But that's how the Hebrews would have given an, a, a Valentine's card uh, with a large intestine on it. Because out of your inner being, your love, your, we would say heart, your heart is held back from me. God, you're not showing your heart to us. Verse 16, you're our father. And it says it again, oh Lord, you are our father, you're our redeemer from old. So God, we, we don't sense your fatherly love right now. Why would they say that? Well, here's the reason. Israel uh, was God's people and God gave them a special land And God enabled them to build a temple where he lived. So they had their own land. They had their own temple. He lived there in a sort of way. His presence was uniquely uh, present there. No building can house God. But his his presence was unique there. And it was the place where they worshiped God. They offered sacrifices. They read his word. They sang his psalms. And God uh, gave them this sign that they were his people, the land and the temple. Well, here's what happened. 
God's people began to worship other gods. So they began to, rather than worship the God who created everything, they began to bow down to statues. They began to worship the gods of rain and and, uh, the gods that they believed uh, gave crops and things like this to them. And so they turned from the real God, the only true God, and they worshiped fake gods. And then what happened was God sent prophets to them and said, hey, turn back to me. God says, I love you. Turn back to me. Turn back. Believe in me, the God that created everything, the God that rescued you from slavery in Egypt. Turn back to me. Well, they ignored him and they ignored him and they ignored him. And finally, because God loved them, he disciplined them. And what he did to discipline them was, in essence, gave them a grand timeout, we might say. And he sent their enemies in who destroyed their temple and took them captive, took them out of the land where they lived and forced them to live in a foreign land. It was called exile, to live in a foreign land. So Isaiah is praying this prayer, either while they're in that foreign land, there's debate over this, or they've come back and they're looking at the burned out temple, they're looking at their cities, which are desolate, empty, dying, and and this is what he says, verse 18, your holy people held possession for a little while. We, We lived in this land, we owned this land. Our adversaries have trampled down your sanctuary. God, you let your enemies tear down your temple. Verse 19, we have become like those over whom you've never ruled. So here's what they're saying. God, we were special. You loved us. You showed us your love through the land and the temple. But like now, we're like no different than any other people. There's nothing that looks different about us. Uh, We have lost what you have given to us. And when they experience this loss, they ask, God, do you have compassion and love for us? See, he is looking at the circumstances, he's looking at what's going on around him, and he sees bad stuff, and he asks this question, God, do you love us? God, you're you're withholding your heart from us. God, you're a father, but it doesn't feel like it, because everything is lost. And you know, we do the same thing, don't we? When things go bad in our lives, or something bad happens, we can wonder, God, do you love me? And if you love me, why did you let this happen? 2020 has been a year when many people have asked this question. Where's your love, God? Where's your compassion for us? Maybe you've lost something this year, and just like Israel lost everything, but maybe you've lost something this year, and you know what that feels like. Maybe you've, uh, maybe everything's changed. If you're a young person, everything's changed with school. And you lost the normal school and you're doing something different right now. Maybe you lost your job. Or maybe your job has changed radically. Maybe your relationships have been changed and adjusted. Everything's different. You can't see the people you want to see and be with the people you want to be. Many people had an unusual Thanksgiving just this weekend where life wasn't like it normally is. It was a different kind of Thanksgiving. Maybe you didn't get together Maybe someone you love has died this year, and you experienced loss. And one of the questions can be, Lord, how can this be good? How can you love me and take someone from me? Life isn't always the way it's supposed to be. 
And this prayer that Isaiah is praying is for us when we find ourselves in difficult circumstances, wondering about the love of God. And that is what Advent is all about. We look at the suffering of the world. We look at the brokenness in the world. We look at the sin all around us and within us. And we say, God, come and help us. God, come and restore us. God, come and renew us. That's what Isaiah is praying in this prayer. He's looking for Jesus to come. They're longing for God to send a king. But we've already experienced the king, and so we remember what he has done for us. I love it in verse 16. He says, our redeemer from of old is your name. So as Christians, people who believe in Jesus today, we look back and say, Jesus, you have come. You are our redeemer. And those circumstances may look difficult. Circumstances may cause us to question your love love even at times, but we're confident in your love because you have been our redeemer. Jesus came and lived a perfect life and died in our place and rose from the dead. We just celebrated that through baptism, that Jesus gives us new life and forgiveness when we believe in him. And so he is the one who has redeemed us. We don't look at our circumstances. We don't look at our health. We don't look at our relationships. We don't look at our finances to determine the measure of God's love. We look at a cross where his son dies for us. Our redeemer of old gave his life for us. We look at God coming to us and rescuing us and giving us new life. We look at an empty tomb and the promise that he will return and make all things new. That's where we look when we wonder if God loves us, the cross and the resurrection. If you believe in Jesus, then God is your father, and and we can come to our father and ask him to make his love and his compassion real to us once again, as Isaiah prays, longing for God's love. The next thing he longs for is God's presence. Look at uh, chapter 64, verses 1 through 7. Oh, that you would rend the heavens and come down, that the mountains might quake at your presence, as when fire kindles brushwood and the fire causes water to boil, to make your name known to your adversaries, that the nations might tremble at your presence. When you did awesome things that we did not look for, you came down, the mountains quaked at your presence." From of old, no one is heard or perceived by the ear. No eye has seen a God besides you who acts for those who wait for him. You meet him who joyfully works righteousness, those who remember you in your ways. Behold, you were angry and we sinned. In our sins, we have been a long time and we shall be saved. We have all become like one who is unclean. And all our righteous deeds are like a polluted garment. We all fade like a leaf, and our iniquities, like the wind, take us away. There is no one who calls upon your name, who rouses himself to take a hold of you. For you have hidden your face from us and have made us melt in the hand of our iniquities. This second section is not about longing for God's love so much, but longing for his presence. Look in verse 7, he says, you've hidden your face from us. So they feel, the people of Israel feel like God is hiding. If you're a young person in the room, have you ever played hide and seek? Have you ever played hide and seek with that one person 
that when they win, they really win. So you're out looking, you're going all over maybe the house or maybe you're playing outside and you're looking and finally you can't find them. And you say, okay, I give up, come on out. And they don't come. Okay, I'm giving up. Uh, You win, okay, you won, come on out. Okay, I'm leaving now, I'm going downstairs, the game is over, I'm going. And they don't ever come out. This is how the people of God feel. We're calling, but God's not showing himself. God's not revealing himself. They're asking, where are you, God? Verse 7, you've hidden your face. Lord, stop hiding from us. Instead, look at verse 1. Oh, that you would rend, that means tear. Oh, that you would tear the heavens and come down, that we might quake at your presence. We want your presence. God, don't hide. We can't sense you around. Would you like just rip the sky open? And when it's open, would you come down to us? That's what Christmas is, by the way. The ripping open of the sky and God coming to us in a way that no one expected or no one could could imagine. Come and, and so that the mountains shake in your presence, so that our enemies know your presence. This is all about his presence, longing for his presence. Longing, when it says his face, it means his presence to be with them. Don't hide your presence, but show your presence. Now, God is always present. But we don't always sense or we're not always aware of his presence. And so this prayer is, God, show yourself in a real way to us. Come to us. Do what you did before. Look at verse 3. When you did awesome things we did not look for. God, would you do stuff again like you did before? We're longing for you to be with us. You've done amazing things, but now we don't sense you anywhere around. Would you do that again? the unexpected at your coming. Advent is a time of longing, of waiting, and of praying just like this, for God to renew us in his presence. For the first people, it was for Christ to come. That was the hope. For us, it's remembering his coming, but it's longing for him to do more in us. It's longing for his presence to be more real, to make our minds think about him, in a, in a more real and powerful way. And it's also a longing for him to return one day as well. It's a time of waiting and longing for his presence, but it's also a time to be honest about who we are. That's what Isaiah does. He's honest about the people's sins. In verse five, he says, in our sins, we have been a long time and shall be saved. You know, one concern about the way we do Christmas, and I'm all for it. I'm all for the lights. I'm all for the songs. Uh, I'll, I'll share sometime in the series where I'm registered so you can get me some gifts. But I'm all, just kidding. I'm all for that. But sometimes I think we miss it if we get too quickly to the flashing lights and don't say this. You know what, Lord? I've been sitting with a cold heart for a long time. Would you come and renew me and refresh me? This is the prayer of Isaiah He gives four images that show we need God to renew us. Four images. Verse 6, he says, we have all become like one who is unclean. This was someone who couldn't come into God's presence. So it's like we are unclean and can't come into your presence. Secondly, he says, all our righteous deeds are like a polluted garment. So this is what he's saying. He's saying not only are we unclean and sinful, but even our good deeds, our good works, They're sinful as well before you. 
Did you know that? That what separates us from God is not just the bad things we do, but it's the good things we do with the wrong motive. It's when we do good things to try to uh, make ourselves acceptable to God by doing good things. That's, that's just as bad as doing bad things. He's saying we can't make ourselves right to you for our good things. Our good things are like a filthy garment, a polluted garment. They're doing good things but from the wrong reasons. You know, it's, we all know what that's like. It's just like, well, I come to church, but I'm not really coming because I want to encounter God and know God. Or I watch online. You know, and my real motive is I just do this on Sundays in the morning, but, the reality, but I'm not coming with a heart that says, Lord, I want more of your presence. I want to experience you in a real way. That, that is good works that are, that are empty, or he would say dead. He says, uh, so we're unclean. Our righteous deeds are like a polluted garment. We all fade like a leaf. He's saying we're like the fall leaves, which you can see outside right now. Just a few months ago, they were green, and they were full of life, but now they've turned colors, and they've shriveled up, and they've fallen off the tree, and they're, like, they're lifeless. And he's saying, that's our heart before God. We're not the trees of the spring that are blooming and green, and the flowers are out. We are like the leaves that have fallen dead. And then he says, not only are we dead leaves, but we are, our, our, our sins like wind have taken us away, he says in verse 6. So the wind just blows us. This week I heard a loud noise and I looked out my office window and uh, it was the, uh, the landscape company in the area where I live was just doing a cleanup. And like all the leaves on our street, on all the trees, they all fell this week. And so the guy was out there with a, like a terp super blower. I mean, it's not like a jet engine uh, blower. And he was in the middle of the street and he was just blowing all the leaves. And I just looked at all these dead leaves, piles of them, they're just blowing away. That's the image, he says. We're like lifeless leaves. This is what he says. We have faded like a leaf and we're carried away by our sins. Isaiah says, if you could see that pile of leaves being blown down my street, that's what the church looks like in Isaiah's day. That's what the people of God, we're just, just, we're lifeless and we're blowing along just like the world. We're just like the nations around us. We're just like everybody else. We're not acting anything different. And that's why he's saying we need new life by the Spirit. We need a different blowing wind, the wind of the Spirit, which will refresh us and give us fresh life. Advent is a time of renewal and refreshing. And that's what they needed then, and that's what we need. He says, verse 7, no one's calling upon the Lord. No one rouses himself to take a hold of you. Again, rather than rushing to festivity, would it be worth taking a pause and a breather and sitting in the dark just a minute and saying, God, would you empower me to rouse myself? That means to wake up, to shake off the sleep and grab hold of God. Would you do that for me? That's what an Advent season's for. It's to take stock. It's to take inventory. It's to evaluate our hearts and say, am I like a dead leaf that's just blowing along, just sort of existing? Or am I alive, roused, alert, spiritually alive in his presence, grabbing hold to God, realizing that he first has grabbed hold of me? We, we want to ask those questions. 
in this time. They've been swept up in the world. God's at a distance. He's hidden his face. Let me ask you this this morning, how is your heart with the Lord? Not, I'm not asking, are you watching online or are you in church? I can, we can answer that. I'm not asking, did you sing a song today and clap for the baptisms and are you listening to this message? I'm asking, how are you internally before God? Is there a sense of his presence? Is there an alertness? Are you awake? As, you, as it says in verse 7, have you roused yourself to take hold of him? Or are you drifting along like a pile of dead leaves being blown by a blower down the street? Advent is longing for a renewed experience of his presence. Lord, we long for your love, your heart for us. Lord, we long for your presence. And finally, the last section, we long for God's touch. Look at verse 8. But now, O Lord, you are our father. We are the clay and you are our potter. We are all the work of your hand. Do not be so terribly angry, O Lord, and remember not iniquity forever. Behold, please look, we are all your people. Your holy cities have become a wilderness. Zion has become a wilderness. Jerusalem a desolation. Our holy and beautiful house where our fathers praised you has been burned by fire. And all our pleasant places have become ruins. Will you restrain yourself at these things, O Lord? Will you keep silent? And afflict us so terribly. Here he says, this is a longing for God's touch, his hand, for his touch. He says, not only is God our father, verse 8, you are our father, but we are the clay and you are the potter. What's he saying here? You shape us. We long for your shaping touch. I don't know if you've ever seen someone uh, shape or mold clay, but uh, pottery. But you know, it's on a wheel. I don't know what that's called, a pottery wheel, whatever. It spins around and the potter takes his or her hands and, it, and you know, puts their hand on the uh, spinning clay and shapes it, squeezes it, molds it, uh, finally, you know, as it's spinning around, finally makes it shape just the way the potter wants it to be. And this is what Isaiah is saying. God, you're our father, but you're also the one that shapes us. We are the work of your hand. So renew our dry hearts, rouse us from complacency, but also shape us the way you want us to be. Advent's a time to have the shaping power of the Lord sort of rub off the rough edges of our hearts and our lives. This is an Advent prayer too. Lord, show me your love. Lord, show me your presence. Lord, shape me. Shape me. You know, 2020 has been a hard year, and for many people, every year, does not matter what the year is, December's a hard month. There's no denying that the darkness that has crept into our lives in various ways. But you know what? This season can be a time where we actually can lean into the difficulty, lean into the pain, think about it, and cry out to the Lord, and we can find the pain, the difficulty, the disorientation, the, the hurt, we can find that God beautifully shapes us, that he takes those places that are out of shape and, and molds them to his will. God might be, I can't say what God is doing in your world, but it might be that he's rocking your world so that you trust him as a loving father who is a potter shaping your lives. We may not know what he's doing, 
We may not even recognize that it's his hand shaping us, but we can, we can look in faith and say, Lord, mold me the way you want me to be. Verse 9, he says in here, behold, please look, we are your people. It's saying, God, we are your people. Look at us. You're the potter. Shape us to look the way you want us to look. We long for your touch. Why does he long for God's touch, God's hand? He says, because, verse 11, uh, our, our places, our beautiful houses burned, our pleasant places have become ruins. I thought, boy, that is a, that's a phrase for 2020. Many things that were pleasant in your life this time last year feel maybe not like utter ruin, but feel like ruin has affected them. I mean, a year ago, you weren't experiencing some of the things you are now. Maybe there's relational distance. Maybe you feel detached from other people. And you say, my pleasant relationships feel distant now. They feel different. I mean, we're not even all gathered together and haven't been since March. Many of us in our church who used to see each other weekly haven't seen each other now in, uh, you know, what is that, 10 months, nine months that, that, that's a burden on relationships. Maybe you say, my health was in a pleasant place, and now I fear for my health, or I'm experiencing bad health. My job was in a pleasant place last year, but now I'm wondering if I'm going to be laid off. My church was in a pleasant place last year, but now I haven't connected with the people I love. My school was in a pleasant place, but now it's different. My income, my savings was in a pleasant place, but now it's in ruins. God, shape us in all of this. The last verse, he says, will you restrain yourself, O Lord? Now, this is interesting. The last verse is restrain yourself. The first verse we read, verse 15 of chapter 63 says, the the stirring of your inner parts are held back from me. Held back and restrain are the exact same Hebrew word. And so this prayer has at the first, Lord, don't hold back, and it closes with, Lord, don't restrain, exact same word. The whole prayer, the whole thing is, God, don't withhold yourself, but come to us with love, with presence, with power, with shaping work in our lives. And that's what we're asking for this Advent. We're asking God in his fatherly love to come down to us with his active presence to pull us out of our sin, to shake us from our complacency, and to begin to shape us anew for his glory. Yes, we want to celebrate the coming of Jesus who saves and renews us, but we want to also be looking for the Lord in the dark places, the desolate places, the ruined places of my life. Would you come and breathe new life? On me. This is Advent. We see darkness around us and within us, and yet we turn to Him, confident, asking, Lord, don't hold back. You are the joy of my longing heart, the joy of every longing heart. So, how could this Advent season become different for you? Some, some of you are, um, you know, perhaps pretty isolated. Even quarant- I wasn't here last Sunday because I was quarantined. Test came back. Uh, negative, so that's great. But I wasn't able to be here because I was quarantined. Some of you are quarantining. Some of you are separate. So in that season of isolation even, uh, how could Advent be different for you this year? Well, I think it could be different by praying this prayer. You know, the prayer, we said three things. Here's an easy way to remember it. Lord, show me your heart. 
That's the first thing. Lord, show me your face. That's his presence. Lord, show me your hand. That's the potter. Lord, show me your heart. That's your love. Show me your face. That's your presence. Show me your hand. That's your shaping influence in my life. If we prayed that daily between now and Christmas, Lord, there are places in my life where I don't sense your love. Give me a different true perspective so I see what you how you love me. Lord, I don't sense your presence. Lord, would you make me aware through your scripture, through your word, through your work in my life, make me aware of your presence and renew me afresh. And Lord, there's things in my life that I don't like right now, maybe even, but Lord, would you show me how you're shaping me? And I, I, I'm, I'm the clay. Would you shape me to be who you want me to be? And if you don't know Jesus, this is a season to respond to him as well and say, Lord, life's dark. My life is in trouble. I need you. I realize that I'm a sinner. I need your forgiveness. You can just come to Christ, trust his death and resurrection for you. Turn from your sins and believe in him and receive what we're talking about, his heart, his face, his hand. Thank you for listening to this sermon from Grace Church. To receive future messages, subscribe to the podcast on iTunes or listen online by visiting our website at gracechurchfrisco.org.